You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. We got some new drinks today. We'll yeah, we've got that. a bunch of new drinks. Yeah, today. so you you talk about what you're drinking because I'm not drinking anything new, and then we'll be done in a minute, and we'll talk about our other drinks. <laughs> we got two new flavors. Yeah. So right now I'm having a Truly Fruit Punch because Truly came out with a bunch of punches. Yeah. Um, exciting. It tastes kind of like Hawaiian Punch. So if you liked that as a kid, uh, I'm gonna say this works for you you didn't like that as a kid then that means that i will be drinking all three of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i was like ooh, fruit punches yeah. so we also found martha found busy lemonades yes i have a peach lemonade and martha has a watermelon and then they also have strawberry and one other one that I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Raspberry. Raspberry, which are probably all good. Hopefully they're not too lemonade like the Trulies. was my yeah. concern, which is another reason why I bought the free punches. Yes. But the design's really cute. It's the really adorable. really fucking cute. So I'm actually about to crack mine mm-hmm. open. Yeah. I'm going to say several points for aesthetic. And that's important when yeah. it comes to self Oh, yeah. Definitely. There we go. Ready? The Truly Fruit Punches are very good for aesthetic. Yeah, well. they're very bright. They're very cute. All right. All we're right. ready? We're no, ready? Truth. We're going to live on Live tasting. Smells so tasting. Smells lemonade. Um, but first, let's talk nerdy. Okay, so it is, I can taste the peach and I can taste the lemonade. But it's not as overpowering. It's not like I felt like when I was doing the the drinking the the truly lemonade, I was drinking fucking pine salt. Yes. I feel like lemon is either great or it's just mm-hmm. too much. You have to take like, it away a little. There's nothing like a good lemon bar. God. Oh. Oh, oh. Like a lemon cookie. Yeah. Oh. That croissant. <laughs> Actually, okay. I'm so glad you brought that up. Because I was like, I hope that there is, are some people who haven't heard this new story. So in case you didn't know, where was it? Krakow, which is in Poland. So Poland now has its own cryptid. So this lady ends up calling the cops and is like, um, it's been here for like two days and we're freaking out and somebody has to do something about it. And the guy's like, what? And she's like, there's something in our tree. She thought it was maybe an iguana. And they show up. They look in the tree and they're like, it doesn't look like it has a head or legs or anything. Maybe it's asleep. And then they get up close and they're like, it's a croissant. Someone <laughs> tossed in a tree. <laughs> if anything, it looked like it might have been a weird cocoon. Yeah. It could have been a cocoon because croissants are kind of cocoon. Yeah. And then it was just a croissant. What a waste of a croissant. I know. Mm. Well, and like. I love croissants. Yes. I'm immediately hungry after thinking this. <laughs> but also, these people let a croissant terrorize them for two days before they got the cops. <laughs> and if that isn't the best story you've ever fucking heard. Yep. So good. Martha yeah. and I are going to do a cryptid episode now yes. after that. Mm-hmm. 
So that'll it's absolutely be, happening. That'll be coming soon. <laughs> Wonder if we've got any local cryptids in Vegas. I feel like this well, is the right I mean, place for well, it. Well, we're well. First off, we're in Nevada, so we're like alien central. That's true. So I'm sure there's mm-hmm. something. We got to do that whole like Roswell, yeah, nonsense at some point yeah. too. So croissant cryptids, mm-hmm. drinks. which is the best band name. Croissant cryptid. Fuck me up. Oh my god. Yeah. Not a whole lot going on in our life besides you being busy. But also, at least someone was fucked up by a croissant for many days. (laughs) I really want a croissant right now. I know. I've said croissant so many times. I want a lemon bar and a croissant. (laughs) I wonder if they make like a lemony croissant. Do they have like flights that are just croissants? What? The only reason I'd ever get married. Uh, we have a croissant bar. <laughs> I just marry myself. I just dedicate myself to cats, like I've been saying for many, many years, and then have a croissant bar. It's okay. I will hopefully get married at some point, and now I have to have a croissant bar. Now you have a goal. There's going to be a bread bar. I'm <laughs> not surprised. Shocked. <laughs> oh shit! Okay, all right. Man, a bread bar sounds oh, right. Oh, you know what was really dipping good? Things. My different dipping things and all different cheeses too. Uh, obviously, oh. like oh. a place where you can bring your bread and like melt it with cheese. Oh, oh yeah. Why are we both so hungry? <laughs> Did we both just fucking eat? I worked out. You're always so hungry. Mm. Why am I so hungry? What the fuck? <laughs> All right, so we're in episode 53. I'm going to go first. Because it's odd. Because it's odd. If, you know, you haven't realized this by episode 53. Then fuck you. (laughs) I'm Brittany Vitrino. I'm Martha Bartlett. And this is But But First, first, Let's Let's Talk Nerdy. Think. Okay, 53, I go first. So today, I am going to talk about the Norse goddess, Oh, specifically her as a Norse god. That's fun. Yes. I don't really know anything about yeah. her as a Norse god. So here, my go. Norse god knowledge is like yeah, I learned a lot. It's very PC. Yeah, I learned a lot. So they're fun though. They're weird. <laughs> they're all crazy. Yeah, which you know, it's gods. That's their thing. They're weird. They're weird. They can do like, whatever they want. They're real old. Whatever. It's, it's always my fucking favorite. Okay, um, my sources. I'm excited. Are not for the sources. <laughs> Specifically just for the sources. Oh my god, there was a Wikipedia? There was Wikipedia. Oh, but small, there was tiny also- break. Wikipedia emailed me this week and asked me to put them in my will. I am 34. <laughs> I gave them money like once. Once or twice. Every now and then I give them like five bucks if I've got five bucks. And now they're like, around. please put us in your will. They're like, here's an easy way for you to make a will and put us in it. And I'm like, when do you expect me to die, Wikipedia? When do you expect me to die? <laughs> when the next wave of COVID is happening uh, because, <laughs> because they're taking masks they're like, away. We are ready, we're, we're we're ready, ready for all of you for people, all of you to, fucking people to die. I'm like, what if I die after Wikipedia? Wikipedia is a thing. Then who gets my money? You're definitely dying after Wikipedia is a thing because Wikipedia is already a thing. After it's been finished being a thing. Okay. You didn't finish. You didn't That's say that. what I meant. Stopped being a thing? Yeah, that. 
shit. What if Wikipedia is not there and I'm already dead after that? None of that is the right way to say that, but you know what I mean. Who gets my money? Some greedy Wikipedia person? I don't think there are greedy Wikipedia people. No, I don't think so. There isn't a Wikipedia Bezos. Thank (laughs) fuck. I'd have to stop using Wikipedia and I'd be so mad. All right. Sources. My sources are Wikipedia. Um... (laughs) Not a lot, though. And then... Enough uh, that they should ask me for more money. <laughs> Enough to be asked to get put in your will. Gods and, really? God, Gods and Goddesses.com. Uh, Norrison Viking Mythology Blog and Mythology.net. Okay, so Norse mythology is a body of myths of the North Germanic people stemming from Norse paganism and continuing. This is going to be an episode of me being like, with names, because holy shit. That's fair. (laughs) I feel like I've heard a number of them, but also we'll see. Um, Okay, so North mythology is the body of myths of the North Germanic people stemming from Norse paganism and continuing after the Christianization of Scandinavia into the Scandinavian folklore of the modern period. The northernmost extension of Germanic mythology, Norse mythology, consists of tales of various deities, beings, and heroes derived from numerous sources from both before and after the pagan period, including medieval manuscripts, archaeology representations, and folk tradition. Source texts mention numerous gods, such as hammer-wielding Thor, god of thunder, Thor, who relentlessly fights his foes, the one-eyed god Odin, who craftily pursues knowledge throughout the world and bestowed among humanity the runic alphabet, the beautiful and feather-clad goddess Freya, Freya, is, the, is that a hard J? No, it's Freya. Okay, so mm-hmm. the J is silent. The J is silent. <laughs> or no, the J does like a yuh. Yeah. Or is there a well, Y, Well, there's a Y. I don't know. <laughs> and then there's the god Freyr, whose weather and farming association brings peace and pleasure to humanity. The mysterious god Helmdar, born of nine mothers, can grow grass, has gold teeth, and possesses a resounding horn. Are they all gay? Probably. Cool. Loki, they're Best. really, they're, they're old and they're gods. Oh, Why no, not? I meant the Nine Mothers. Oh, probably. Cool. I don't know. I don't know who they are. I didn't I get into that. I the Nine Mothers are all married together. <laughs> and I don't want to know if it's not the truth. It's, it's the don't truth. Don't fucking tell me. <laughs> Loki, who brings tragedy to the gods by engineering the death of the goddess Frigg's uh, beautiful son, Baldur. Mm-hmm. And then numerous, and there's, of course, numerous other With deities. Mistletoe. What? With mistletoe. That's how he kills him. And fucking mistletoe. Everything came to Balder and all of them and said, no, we won't hurt Balder except for mistletoe because they didn't ask mistletoe because why? And then Loki was like, whoops, I have this mistletoe spear. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Loki. Such a dick. (laughs) He plays a big part of being a dick in Sif's life, too. Yep. All right. And then, of course, amongst the numerous others, there is Sif, who we'll be talking about today. Sif was the Norse goddess of wheat, fertility, and family, and the wife of the warrior god, Thor. Her legacy has been overshadowed, of course, by her husband, but she's one of the highly recognized and important deities. There are a few details surrounding the goddess, but we do know that she was very important god to the Norse people of, like, the old Norse legends. 
So there are two main texts that depict Sif, and they are the poetic Eda, Eda, and then the prose Eda. It's E-D-D-A. Eda sounds right. Yeah. These are some of the best-known traditional sources of Norse mythology. This is going to be an episode. Mm -hmm. She is described as (laughs) as a beautiful woman with hair as golden as the sun. Her name means relation to marriage, and she was associated with family, caregiving, and fertility. She sounds like... Kind of like a mixture between Hera and Hestia. And a little bit of Demeter as well. Ooh. Because she's the goddess of wheat and... That makes sense. Yeah. So like if those three <clears throat> goddesses had to be... Yes. And it was older than them. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe she had them. And oh, you're right. The, split the... It's triplets. Yes. Yep. All right. So Thor was her second husband. Her oh. first was the giant Orvandil. Orvindale. And she's often compared to other goddesses like Freya, which doesn't have a J in it. <laughs> sometimes and we have a J. Uh, <laughs> There's sometimes a J in my name too, but I don't tell anybody <laughs> about it and it's silent, so who cares? And for for G- Freya? Nope. F G A O R G Y N. I can't do that with my brain. <laughs> right here. Fjorgen? Okay. We're going with that. Yeah. I, I know, know I'm like, those are a bunch of... R is like fjord. Yep. Which is one of my favorite words to say. So, Sif is said to symbolize fidelity. She is also associated with summer and passion and the sun. Her best symbol, though, is her hair, which was said to symbolize the crop field of the Norse population. The health of her hair was directly related to the, related to the strength of the crop, specifically wheat, according to sources. That's often how they describe her hair, these beautiful golden wheat-colored locks. Yep. Having a lot of realizations here. <laughs> You should have seen Martha's face. <laughs> oh, oh! All right. Oh. So, an old tradition says that in order to ask Sif for help, uh, one should bake bread with plenty of grains. And Sif is also associated you with... You as a god. <laughs> right? <laughs> have this bread. Got you. Um, <laughs> Sif is... <laughs> you want this croissant? <laughs> fucking do. I do. <laughs> Sif is also associated with life and is said she uh, and it is said she was able to control the light in the sky and had a hand in changing the seasons. Oh cool. Oh yeah, so I see where you're going there. Yeah. Artistic representation of Sif always shows a young and strikingly beautiful woman with long flowing golden hair. In most pictures, the hair is nearly touching the ground. It can be argued that without her long hair, it is hard to recognize Sif as there is very little description of her otherwise. It has also been uh, proposed that Sif's hair is a symbol of golden wheat, with Thor being the god of thunder and lightning who uh, who played a role with weather and the promotion of agriculture. It made sense for his wife to be the earth goddess associated with fertility. It's so fun to put all of this to the Thor comic. <laughs> Which like, are drastically different. Oh, hugely yeah. fucking different. They're like... Very much, we took this and we put a big comics, like, fucking filter on yep. it, and it's very silly. But it's so, like, it's close enough that you yeah. can see the tangential yes. things, but it's also far enough away 
that's kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So there's very little known about Sif's own family. We know that she was married to Thor. We're not a and hun- Organville. Yes, which I, I don't talked know if about. That's the right yeah, I don't. Whatever. Good enough. <laughs> Organville. I think he was a giant. That's, not... that's all I know. Giants. Yeah, but I made him into a place for organs. <laughs> <laughs> do you want these ones or do you want these ones? <laughs> all right. So she's married to Thor. We're not 100% sure if she had any children. That's one of those where some say she did, some say she didn't. Was she fertility, did you say? Yes. But more, it's not fertility for people, it's for agriculture. Mm -hmm. Um, The best kind. Yes. If I was going to be a fertility (laughs) goddess, it's definitely not going to be for children gross. It is believed that Third is the daughter of Thor and Sif. There is a third that is also the name of one of the Valkyries who served in Valhalla, though they're not sure if they're the same person or not. And Sif also did have a child named uh, Earl. <laughs> it's literally U L L R. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. I like Earl better than Old <laughs> Rule because that just he sounds was, like you're like swallowing yeah. something gross. <laughs> you're like, oops, I ate this thing, but I can't. That's how it the croissant fucking uh, monster talks. <laughs> I like that this episode is just about the croissant monster. <laughs> croissant cryptid! Love you! <laughs> Alright, so he is the god of snowshoes, hunting, the bow and shield, and later he becomes like the god of like skiing and more like I know. I don't fucking know. They're Norse, whatever. I would love to be the god of something completely basic <laughs> and like. Just I want to be the god of like something uh, really specific and specific. Dumb. I want to be the god of seltzers. You can be the god of peppermint mocha. I'm. Oh my god. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I've been waiting for this more in my whole life. <laughs> This is what you were born for. See? This is what I was born But now you can die, which is why Wikipedia was like, leave us Oh, no, Wikipedia knew. <laughs> I just assumed they were going to kill me after I did the thing. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, Wikipedia assassins are coming for me. <laughs> Shit. Oh, oh God. All right. <laughs> um, so this... <laughs> It's just like in the back of your throat, like if you're trying to like not cough something out. Yep. Um, (laughs) He was described as being incredibly handsome with warrior-like attributes. He was often called upon to help in battles. I couldn't get a completely straight answer on who his father was. Some say it was her first husband, Organville. Um, but Is it Oregon? No, but no, I didn't write it down. I was just making fun of you. And but other sources say his father is unknown. I have no idea what the <laughs> Orvin Dill. Oh, I was so close. Orvan Dill. Orvin Dill. Oregonville. <laughs> What's wrong with me? <laughs> okay. He plays the organ. He also just sells organs. <laughs> Not the he's, playing kind. He's as big as the organ, too. Yes. <laughs> I assume. Okay, so while it's not proven, it's assumed that Sif is actually mentioned in the famous Old English poem Beowulf. She is 
Yeah. I was going to ask about yeah. that. So, yeah. So, probably, but it's not actually proven fact. Uh, she's also celebrated at the end of spring every year, as this is this Sif is associated with summer. And I found out I'm actually a lot like Sif through this. <laughs> she likes bread and she likes summer. <laughs> Look at my shocked face. Look at how shocked I am. And I have to find the... So... After the whole journey into mystery with when they brought it back with Loki and Hela, like telling their story, they went into Sif. Mm-hmm. And I definitely have it in my comic log boxes, oh, so I'll pull it out. Yes. It's good shit. I also, you would, you would love it. Because yeah. she's like, I'm a little berserker right now, and I guess I'm just going to go with it. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah. It was good shit, and then it got canceled. Aw, I hate that. It's the worst. The worst. On the first day of the new season, there seems to be a spark of interest in the story of the goddess in Iceland. And then, thanks to the written work of a 19th century researcher, the story of Sif was rejuvenated in the Scandinavian folklore. Iceland began to build a Norse temple in 2015 to pay tribute to Thor, Odin, and Frigg. I don't know who Frigg is. I know the name, but I don't know who they are. Yeah, uh, another goddess. Another and uh, but because of this, Sif has also grown in popularity once again. So the myths that involve Sif are many, but most of the time her roles are just very passive. Uh, this isn't to say she was an important goddess. Her importance in North mythology is mainly her symbolic contributions. So what's her famous story? And that is the story, of course, about her hair. Her hair. Her hair. That was me making several faces earlier. <laughs> So, let's set the stage to the story. Loki, the god of mischief, is a total asshole. Mm. And, I mean, that's mostly all you need to know going into this. his job. (laughs) And then, of course, once again, the details I found were a little varied from place to place. So, we're going to try to put it together as best we can. It's old. Yeah. And it's in another language. So, it's people translating it. Yep. And I'm sure originally it wasn't in any, any language, language yeah. or any written language. Yeah. So Thor, Sif's husband, is known as a tough and masculine, has his tough and masculine reputation, but he's absolutely in love with Sif, who is incredibly beautiful. Her most famous physical attribute is her long, thick hair. It is the most perfect shade of gold that floats all the way down her back and always appear to be flawless. She probably doesn't have to even brush it, which is... Rude and bitchy. <laughs> if you have, like, long, thick hair, you should have to fucking trim. deal with it because the pain in the ass to have, like, regular thick hair. It is said that her golden hair represents wheat and that she is responsible for the Norse people's crops. She would travel seeking families and farms, and she would protect the crops from the cold winters and winds. And though it's not known for sure, it even says that Sif even possessed the gift of prophecy. Ooh! I'm going to pass on that gift, but uh, I'll <laughs> She's like an all-over badass, really. Yeah. Like, she's like, you guys, I guess, can all go out and fight shit. I'm just going to be super hot and be the one that grows all the food, and I can see the future. It's Sorry, fine. I'm in charge of everything because you guys all just want to punch things. <laughs> all right, so Sif would brush her hair with a comb encrusted oh. in jewels and wash it in sparkling streams. To uh, get it dry, she would lay it out on rocks and let the sun's warmth speed up the process. If I washed my hair in a sparkling stream, I would drown a frog. 
Yes. <laughs> yes, you would. <laughs> Why is there a dead school of fish in your hair, Martha? Uh, that's a really good question. It's starting to smell. I'm going to go wash it in an actual shower like a person. All right. So not all of us can be like, fish, can you stay the fuck out of my beautiful hair? <laughs> I just think about that bee. That bee. I guess it wasn't a bee. It was like a hornet. It was like a. <laughs> it was like a, a legit hornet. <laughs> I mean, I feel not bad about no. it because if it was, it was a, a regular hornet, bee, I'd feel, I'd feel bad about terrible it. Terrible because but I it, like bees. The hornets They're are not sweet cool. babies. But hornets are dickheads. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> if I'm gonna drown anything with my hair by accident at Six Flags. Um, Let it be a fucking horse. Yeah, you deserve it, I guess. God damn it. <laughs> All right. It was one of these days where she was waiting for her hair to dry and she happened to fall asleep. Loki, who is, like I said, the god of mischief. The god and, of dick. And also Not the god dick. of fire, which I didn't know. But I cross-checked that to make sure, and that is true. It makes sense. I mean, it does make sense, but I didn't know that. The god of mischief and arson. Yeah, let's put it that I mean, way. If you're into arson, you're into mischief. Yeah. All right. Loki cast a spell on her that ended up plucking each hair out by the root so it what? couldn't grow back. Yes. Okay. So, I didn't. Oh. Yeah. So That's... why Loki did this, we're not exactly sure. Because he's a twat. One of the things is he's a twat. <laughs> Another thing is because, <laughs> shocking no one, he, he's usually jealous of Thor. And, and Thor who gets attention. Yep. And Thor treasured Sif and his wife's hair and would often, like, brush it and yeah, braid it. And blah, blah, blah. be blah, like, look I'm how sure. pretty my wife's hair is. <laughs> and then there's Loki. And then there's Loki. <laughs> so, Loki knew this, and more than likely, uh, he was just trying to piss Thor off. That sucks. So, if somebody cut off my hair to piss off a boy, I would murder yeah. them. They would be dead. Yep. And he's all magic, so like I said, he literally like pulled it all out so it couldn't even grow back. Yeah. Thankfully, we own so many wigs. Yeah, it's true. And our hair isn't that beautiful, so I guess what the fuck ever. <laughs> I mean, my hair is pretty great, but it also I will mean, strangle a bee. Same. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine won't strangle a bee. <laughs> This is a good hair podcast. (laughs) All right. Sif was nearly left bald, and when she awoke, she found her hair in piles all around her. She burst out into tears as she fell to the ground, and and as they fell to the ground, they ended up flooding the crops that she was meant to protect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fair. It's representative. You should have known this. I'm sure you did, you stupid fucking (laughs) twat. Sif is no fool, though, and she immediately knows that it must have been one of Loki's tricks, so she tells Thor. Thor confronts Loki and demands that he replace her hair with something just as fine, or he would do worse than kill him. So Loki's like... I mean, like, same. That's li- that would literally be me. Yeah, yeah. I would be like, you're doing this to get it, my husband? If you don't fucking replace this shit, I will ruin you. So Loki I will erase was you. like, oh shit... Okay. Yeah, bitch. I will figure this out. So he travels to Vattenhelm, which is the realms of dwarves. Which one is that one? Vattenhelm. Uh, Sparthelm. Uh, can I look at it? Yeah. I know the realms. Those ones I can do. Right there. 
Spartelheim. Spartelheim. Mm -hmm. Letters that don't go together in the English language. S and V. It's a rough one. (laughs) Um, Which is the realm of dwarves. And they are known for their handiwork. And also they uh, tend to make their creations with magic and put magic into them. So the dwarves. magic here. Okay, so, I'm not going to spoil this, but <laughs> So the dwarves like... make a headpiece for Sith, spun of the finest gold, and enchanted so that it will grow on her head. The gnomes work for days and probably would have gotten it done sooner, but of course Loki can't help himself at, but to make trouble. Ugh. So he ends up playing games on the uh, not only the dwarves making the headpiece for Sith, but a set of other dwarves. As well, but in the end, he returns to Asgard with not only Sif's hair, but six other treasures. (laughs) Yeah. Along with Sif's headpiece, Loki brings back Thor's hammer, Mjolnir. Oh, wow. That's where it comes from. What? Yeah. So, really, if Sif hadn't gotten a shitty haircut, we wouldn't have the Thor from the comics. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Odin Sphere, Gungnir. Yep. Oh shit! And uh, other things, a few other Gunners, important, like, yeah, pretty legit. Yeah. So somehow Loki was like, "Let me bring you back all these weapons. Please don't flay yeah. me." Here's the sickest wig you'll ever see, <laughs> and here's a bunch of badass weapons because I'm an asshole. Oh, please don't be mad. I'm sorry, I did a dumb thing. <laughs> so the story ends happy, and Sif has her beautiful golden hair back. This time now, it's not quite that blonde of wheat but it is like a true gold and they actually refer the Norse oh, is it referred made? yeah re- started so to cool. refer to gold as Sif's hair because that's what it was it was made of golden thread that's super awesome yeah. okay I would let Loki pluck out yep. all of my hair if he and was going to give me like sick metal hair of course Thor got his hammer which is important also that the hammer is the penis what <laughs> what All right, so this story was significant in many ways. The growth of Sif's hair could very well and probably is a symbol and the reason for harvest. Her loss of hair and the replacement is a symbol of the way crops are harvested each year and then replanted and regrown. And the fact that her hair is actually made of gold could be the meaning behind the relationship between the saying of harvest and wealth. Ah. Yes. Also, selling your harvest probably gives you some wealth. Yes. This, of course, leaves the question, is her hair the key to the harvest? If Loki wasn't such a dick, would there be no reason for, like, a harvest and replant? Would there always just be a harvest? Loki, you want plants! But her hair now isn't gold, so would there be as much of that wealth to come with Mm. the harvest? Loki, you ruined plants and started capitalism. Seriously. Ruined. But... I said, I am the wrong person to ask about this harvest and wealth because I killed the damn succulent. So damn. <laughs> I was in the forest for like not a short amount of time. I still do a bad job with plants. It turns out when I'm not being paid to take care of it, <laughs> I don't care. I just I'm trying so hard. But uh Spiegel is still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. So few more fun facts about the Norse goddess. Uh, Sif was a loyal life and the symbol of fidelity. In addition to her own children, she also nurtured Thor's sons, Magni and Modi, who he had with some mistress, Jarn Saksa. 
I like that. John Saxo. The Old Norse literature, Sif is often connected to cups and cauldrons. One story even tells the tale of Sif pouring Loki a cup of mead. And it was poisoned because he was He's a dick. He's a dick. Uh, Germanic. He's like, whoops, I gave you this thing that's going to make you shit for three days. <laughs> Remember when you plucked out all my hair? I don't feel bad about this. <laughs> I'm going to tell you as soon as you've drunk it all. Uh, Germanic sources describe Sif as a swan maiden who can assume the form of a swan. Oh, swans will fuck you up. Yep. And there is a species of moss, polytrichum aureum. Aureum? Aureum oh, yeah. is gold in, in the periodic table. Yep. So that makes sense because it was named after Sif. It's called Hader Sivjar or Sif's hair. So I bet it has a gold something to it. That's so cool. Well, we will Google it. Yes, I was just going to say that. And then Sifmons is a volcano on the planet Venus, and it's named after Sif. That's cool. Yeah. And that is Sif of Norse mythology. Yeah, who remains blonde the entire time. Yes, who is actually (laughs) always blonde. (laughs) Blonde and then gold. Yes. Which is... Way more baller, yeah. let's be <laughs> Hi, I'm Joe Heath. I'm Tony Heath. And we host the Watchathon of Rassilon. A podcast where we watch every episode of Doctor Who and then talk to you about it. It's like an idiot's guide to Doctor Who. And where are the idiots? The Watchathon of Rassilon, a Doctor Who podcast made by idiots. And a proud member of the ESO Network. Welcome to Doctor Geek's Laboratory. Hello, everyone. Dr. Geek here with a shout out to all the scientists who worked tirelessly to bring a COVID-19 vaccine into reality. And let's face it, creating something of this magnitude is a miracle worthy of Dr. McCoy himself. And now, Dr. Geek needs you to do your part. Remember, each shot is one small step back to normal, one giant leap to putting the pandemic behind us. We can do this. For more information, visit vaccines.gov to find your nearest provider. Okay. All right. Let's go. So it is my time. We are five months into 2021, and somehow I haven't done anything about C-Lab 2021. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what we're talking about today. Oh, man. (laughs) God damn. I know. It's time. It's that time. It's time. Holy shit. It's that time. (laughs) We're currently in C-Lab 2021 time. So, yeah. So, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. So, my sources are Wikipedia, who's, like, waiting for me to die. (laughs) Fandom, who I've never given any money to, so they are not waiting for me to die. And then this article, Matt Thompson on the origins of Adult Swim's uh, C-Lab 2021 by Jake Wheaty. Mm-hmm. And then some C-Lab quotes. So yeah, feels kind of stupid that it's taken me this long yeah, to think of know, this thing. It's fine. But hey, here we are. We're in May. C-Lab 2021. Let's go. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> so C-Lab 2021 is an American adult 
animated television series created by Adam Reed and Matt Thompson. You probably mentioned them on your Archer thing. Yes. They do Archer as well. I think about it a lot as a show <laughs> that wasn't on that long. <laughs> I like Sea Lab 2021. Yeah. First of all, I don't really bring this up at all, but it has the best goddamn theme song. It's so peaceful and cute and wonderful. <laughs> it's by a band called Calamon, and it's just like, it's great. So yeah, uh, it's done by Adam Reed and Matt Thompson, as I said. It was shown on Cartoon Network's late night programming block, uh, Adult Swim. Is that the, all the same time as like the Brack show? And Harvey Birdman. Literally. And home movies. Yeah. Literally, literally just about to say <laughs> that. Yeah. Uh, Cartoon Network aired the show's first three episodes in December of 2000 before the official inception of Adult Swim, the Adult Swim block, uh, September uh, 2nd, 2001. So, uh, and the final episode aired April two- 24th, 2005. It was when humor was the weirdest and shittiest. This is the Brack Show. Hello, my name, name is Brack. Brack. This is the Brack so Show. so weird. <laughs> yeah, but the Brack Show happened for the same reason that this happened and the same reason that fucking Harvey Birdman happened. Because they had the footage and they needed to make cheap shit, which we will get to in just a second. Uh, each episode was about 12 minutes long, and uh, when they were on a Adult Swim, it was probably... Usually about midnight or thereafter. Mm-hmm. Uh, C-Lab is one of the four original William Street series that premiered in 2000 before Adult Swim officially launched. The others being Aqua Teen Hunger Force, uh, yes. The Brack Show, and Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. I never really liked Aqua Teen. It had its moments. I liked And then there were other times where I'm like, I hate this Har- show. It was either like yeah. incredibly good or incredibly yeah. bad. And I also loved the idea that the Moon and Knights light thing oh, yeah. made Boston yes. like, a crazy fucking yes. place. That was incredibly mm-hmm. hilarious to me. Shake was an asshole and Carl was an asshole. And yep. I liked both of those yep. characters. But yeah, that's that. So uh, much like Adult Swim's Space Ghost Coast to Coast, ah, yes. the animation used stock footage from the 1970s Hanna-Barbera cartoon. In this case, the short-lived, environmentally-themed Sea Lab 2020. And then along with original animation. Uh, the show was a satirical parody. That would be a good drinking costume. Which one? The Sea Lab 2020. Oh my god, one. yes. Yeah. It could be White Debbie. Is it streaming anywhere? But it's on HBO Max. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it since it's like been on Adult Swim, mm-hmm. so. Uh, the show was a satirical parody of the original Sea Lab series uh, and the general conventions of 1970s animated children's series. While there was initial resistance from several of their original cartoons uh, creators to reuse their characters, production moved forward on the series, and C-Lab 2021 was produced by 7030 Productions, which is Adam Reed and Matt Thompson. The original C-Lab 2020 was (laughs) on TV from September 9th to December 2nd in 1972 on Saturday mornings. Jesus. I know, I read that and was like, ah! <laughs> That didn't go over well, apparently. But yeah, it was created by Alex Toth, who created other Hanna-Barbera uh, cartoons as Space Ghost and Birdman and the Galaxy Trio, which I did not know was the original name of Birdman. 
Mm-mm. Also, I was re- reading many articles with this. He hasn't and always up, been an attorney at law. He's never been an attorney at law. He was just a, a Birdman. But I, he was never Harvey either. That was just a name that they were like, Harvey Birdman is fucking hilarious when we say it. And I was like, oh my god, of course it wasn't. But like, that's so fucking funny. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it was a total of 13 episodes on the original C-Lab that were aired, and then two of them remain unaired. So the original series took place at C-Lab. Duh. Um, an underwater research base on the Challenger Seamount, uh, commanded by Captain Michael Murphy. Sea Lab was home to 250 people and was dedicated to the exploration of the seas and the protection of marine life. They had a research team and they had, they faced such challenges as attacks from sharks or giant squids, potential environmental disasters, Threats to Sea Lab and marine life from shipping, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then Adam Reed and Matt Thompson, the creators, uh, came up with the idea in 1995 while they were production assistants for Cartoon Network. Which Cartoon Network, I didn't realize, is very young. Which, like, mm-hmm. I think I knew, but I yeah didn't ever... I don't know, it feels I'm like pretty one of those sure things I was like, around for a while. Yeah, but it, it's that... It's the night. 2000 thing again yep. with us. Yep. It came out when we were children, so we've been watching it with since we're children, but the 90s don't seem like they're nearly 30 years ago. Everything's they seem the like that they're 15, 10, 15 years ago. Why for? Yeah. God damn it. But yeah, so they came up with the idea while they were production assistants for Cartoon Network. Uh, they stumbled upon a tape of the show C Lab 2020 and wrote the new dialogue. Which, so. I was wondering why or how they had all of this like fucking footage that they were like able to just look at and write new dialogue for, which if you've ever watched like a weird infomercial and put it on mute and done new dialogue for it, it's the same fucking thing, <laughs> except for these people were actually like legit, kind of legit. They're more legit now. They were kind of a little teeny bit legit at the time. <laughs> So basically how they got this footage is Ted Turner uh, bought the Hanna-Barbera library in 93 and then used it to basically make Cartoon Network into Cartoon Network. So Cartoon Network is on the air in the next year, so 1994, and they're just rerunning a ton of fucking Hanna-Barbera shit. Cartoon Network really was... 1994! Like, we really did, like, grow up with Cartoon Network. I definitely remember watching Cartoon Network always, like, young, but I didn't, yeah, I didn't realize, like, it was, like, really I really started watching it when yeah. it, like, oh my god, <laughs> that's crazy. So basically, they had all of this Hanna-Barbera things, they're running as much as they fucking can, because why wouldn't they? But also, they were trying to make new shit, and what that meant to uh, people, like, Adam and Matt and some other people who they worked with is that they're all looking at this footage that Adult Swim wanted to put on TV and they were like, we don't want to put any fucking money into this because it's just you guys dubbing over shit. So like, keep it as cheap as fucking possible. So they, um, a bunch of people went their different ways with it, which is why we have all these great and weird fucking TV Mm -hmm. shows. And on C-Lab, they basically were like, okay, let's take it to the extreme and just make a fucking workplace sitcom. 
on Space Ghost, they basically solved it so that they'd like cut away and go to other different things. And in the early years of C-Lab and Space Ghost, there were very few original um, drawings. It was just cutting things and putting them on TV so that they could literally go on TV for, you know, just a couple hundred bucks. So um, in the interview with Nat, he was like, if I remember correctly, my budget for the first season, the first season of C-Lab was uh, 33000 an episode, and that had to pay for the actors, the mix, the whatever, the everything. And... They have to, and they have to pay all of these fucking people to do the thing. So they literally. I know there's a lot of characters in. too. Yeah, so there's a lot there's of voice a lot actors. Of we will get and... into that too, but yes. And then when they first got onto the old footage, they were like, "We're not 100 percent sure what we want to do." They watched a bunch of things, and they were like, "Maybe we'll do a weird Care Bear spinoff where we like draw froze on them, and they all ride motorcycles and something like that." I know what, uh, but they were like, uh, "See, that looks the most like a workplace comedy, and that's what we're really interested in at yep. the time." And that's what the C-Lab show is. It's a bunch of random people who are at work, and then you can craft any personalities that you want on top of that. So, yeah, that's how we got the C-Lab that we got. And when they first pitched it, Cartoon Network was like, nah, it doesn't sound that funny, and they passed on it. Um, and then five years after they both quit Cartoon Network, they went back to the original tape and they changed the words and they made it a little bit more what they actually wanted and less what they thought Cartoon Network wanted. And then Cartoon Network bought this show and it was like right before Adult Swim started to happen. So that sort of thing. That's mm-hmm. how that whole thing was born. Um, and very few of the episodes of the series share any continuity or ongoing plot. Which is sometimes the best. Oh my god, my When you can favorite. just watch a random fucking episode yeah. at any point is sometimes like, the best. I love best something like that, but matter. I love something like that where they bring in a joke, but they, it's not something that you necessarily need to yeah. know. But if you've watched the whole thing, then you're like laughing double hard. Yes. And that is C-Lab in a fucking heartbeat. No. That's in a fucking nutshell. <laughs> uh, for instance, the entirety of C-Lab is regularly destroyed at the end of most of the episodes. <laughs> uh, the crew members are often killed in really horrible ways, and then they return in following episodes and have no memory of it. There are occasionally Ryan and Gags, such as uh, the Grizzlebees <laughs> restaurant chain, where you'll wish you had less fun. <laughs> Prescott, the half man, half tentacle monster from the network, and Bebop Cola, which, uh, so Bebop Cola, <laughs> they mention it so often throughout C Lab 2021, but all of the uh, flavors of it have to do with like a specific jazz singer. And also when Murphy goes, uh, Captain Murphy goes to, um, to get Bebop Cola because he's a huge fan of Bebop Cola. It sings basically like what a wonderful world, but, and I think to myself that I need exact change. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, some of the flavors because I thought they were fucking hilarious. So there is Kiwi Holiday for Billy Holiday. Artie Shawberry for Artie Shaw, <laughs> John Cola Train for John Coltrane, Vince Guavaldi for Vince Guaraldi, plays the Charlie Brown Christmas shit. Reno Lamone for Nina Simone, and then Fizzy Gillespie, 
And then also plain and diet plain. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Yeah. C-Lab contains many references to the pop culture of the 1980s through the 2000s and makes uses of cartoons from the 1970s besides just C-Lab. It did some from Butch Cassidy when they wanted to do on-screen appearances for the C-Lab writers and some various one-off characters that they have to put in. Uh, So as far as characters go, we have a lot of different characters and our most, the most pivotal one is Captain Hazel Hank Murphy, who was played by Harry Gauze and he's the leader of the crew and he's a fucking disaster and Mm -hmm. his grasp on reality is incredibly questionable. Um, he's usually found loitering around the bridge and neglecting his duties. Uh, he spends a lot of his time participating in scams and juvenile antics and generally causing problems the crew has to solve. The only episode which features Murphy acting responsibly through the entire thing is 7211, which is a faithful reenactment of the original Sea Lab 2020 show, except for everything blows up at the end before Captain Murphy can get back to the sea lab. Of course. But literally everything else is exactly as it was. It's just redubbed with the new sea lab crew voices. voices. Yeah. It's so fucking weird. I watched it and was like, I remember hating this when it first came out. Cause I was like, I know what you guys are doing. I hate this joke. Uh, when it is was, it going to happen? And it was also just them being like, shit, we don't have anything. Let's quickly do this. We've all been there. So I literally can't say anything. And actually, in some of the things I was reading, there were several things where they were like, whoops, we something got lost on a computer. So we almost didn't get this to fucking yep. in time. Captain Murphy is a parody of the original Captain Mike Murphy from Sea Lab 2020, and he's basically incapable to the point of incompetence. And on more than one occasion, it has been implied that Murphy has gone completely insane to the amount of time he's spent underwater. However, the crew either doesn't notice this or doesn't care, and they usually follow his orders anyways, uh, even when they will directly lead to crew's deaths. He has a deep-seated fear of doppelgangers and also flashlights. And then, so after the death of... So basically, when they were doing the show, Harry Gauze died about three seasons in. And after that, they had Murphy written out. He left C-Lab to go fight in the Great Spice Wars. And then they brought him back recently on an episode of Archer, where he was voiced by John Hamm and debuted in yes. the two-part episode, Sea Tunt. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so the first three seasons are pretty great. And then after season three, they replaced Captain Murphy with Shanks. And it just lost some of its fun. So here's a quote from Matt on losing Harry Gauze. So on C-Lab, my first Adult Swim show, our lead character, Harry Gauze, the voice of Captain Murphy, died in the middle of the series run. So we faced the choice of like, do we replace him as an actor or keep the character or do we lose the character? And he was our lead character. Uh, we made the choice that Adult Swim supported to basically kill the character, send him off to these wars and mm-hmm. not do anything, and move on, um, because we couldn't bring ourselves to voice that guy again. They had the same problem on Space Ghost Coast to Coast when the uh, actor who played Zorak and Moltar passed, and they were like, we really don't want to make this anymore, yeah. because that was the lead of the whole thing. Um, and so there's also uh, there's an episode in the second season 
I wonder what Mallory Archer's voice actor passed a couple Mm. weeks ago. So I think Archer is coming to a close soon, but I wonder what they're going to do about that. Yeah. I love her, too. I know. Such a bummer. Brutal. She's so good. But yeah, so uh, there's an episode in the middle of, in the second or maybe third season, I think it's the third season, um, where Captain Murphy is wearing an old-timey diving bell for, like, no reason. Like, the shit in the 30s that they would wear to try to get into the ocean with, like, the big thing. <laughs> yep. You know what I'm talking yep. about. Um, and he's wearing it just kind of on the top of his head, and it's on his head because they had to put a filter on God's voice because his voice was so weak um, because the cancer had progressed throughout his body. And they were like, it's not a big deal. We'll just figure this out. And he was like, nope, I'm absolutely doing it you're going to have to figure out a way to do this for me. So his wife had to take him down to the studio and help him get into a chair and record his episode. And they had to put a filter on his voice so that it didn't sound too weird. And he died like shortly thereafter. So props to Captain Murphy watching him just say, and there go my nipples 300 times. (laughs) Kind of means something different now, but also feels just the same amount of weird. Here we are. But yeah, they replaced him with Captain Bellerophon Terranado Shakes, which I didn't really watch any of that shit, so we're not going on to it. As far as other characters, they had uh, Lieutenant Jodine Sparks, who is probably my favorite character. The least surprising thing in the entire world. Uh, He's the radio operator who's always seen uh, sitting with his headsets on. And uh, he basically uses the radio for his own personal purposes and sometimes will disconnect vital transmissions because they're interrupting him. Uh, And he travels around on an office chair mostly because he's lazy. Uh, He's a convict serving time at C-Lab, and he's also uh, sometimes the voice of reason to Murphy, but most of the time the catalyst of the problems on C-Lab, including uh, they had their weird, like, Stimutax episode where he just gets everybody addicted to a drug that is mostly kelp, but... You know, not mostly kelp. And he's like, well, I was just looking to make an ass load of money. Also with Sparks, there's an early episode that reveals that he acts as a criminal mastermind called the Overlord with a hollowed out volcano base and an army of minions. And uh, what's his name? Marco joins his minions for like half a minute. And then is like, I wanted a blue uniform. And he's like, it's a uniform. So they're all the fucking same. Also, I only bought one color because it's, it's a, a uniform. uniform. <laughs> but yeah, so he's, he's a mess. And then we have Debbie, white Debbie yep. Dupree, uh, who is a marine biologist and one of the only two adult females on the base. I just remember her with her dolphins. Yes. <laughs> she's, she's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> uh, she's blonde. She's the often the object of sexual interest of the males on C-Lab. She has uh, an ongoing sexual relationship with Dr. Quinn, and their relationship has its ups and downs, and their effects on the crew play out in several stories. When she is on the outs with Quinn, the other males, particularly Stormy, try to get on her good side and don't usually do a good job. And Debbie's moon swings are a constant issue to the crew. Because <laughs> she's either the sole voice of reason or a shrieking lunatic. Yep. I get that. I get that in a big way. And yeah, so Debbie picked up the white Debbie appellation at the behest of Dr. Quinn, who thought it was unfair that Debbie Love went by Black Debbie, while Debbie Dupree was simply just Debbie. 
He wasn't the only one. The rest of Stormy calls Debbie Love Black Debbie in one episode, and everyone else is like, "Why isn't White Debbie White Debbie?" <laughs> He's like, "Oh." <laughs> Speaking of, Derek Stormy Waters, apparently his name is Derek. That's fucking weird. Basic. Yeah. He's a pretty boy lacking in intelligence and seemingly any other qualifications to be working on government research lab. Who knows what he does? He doesn't have a clear job. Sometimes he's like kind of a henchman or assistant to whoever is near. He's a big fucking idiot. And he often ends up in kind of odd couple situations with Quinn, who is, like, the smart person on the crew. The crew has been shown to dislike or mistreat Stormy on multiple occasions, such as putting a sign outside the mess hall saying, No Stormies, when they held a pizza party, or forgetting that he was trapped outside the closet with Murphy's wild and rabid dogs. (laughs) He's allergic to shellfish, and the only one that... that he's like the only episode he's good in is the seven two one one, which is the one that is the fake episode. Uh, Doctor Quentin Q Quinn, of course, <laughs> is the science officer. Uh, he's an African American who's intelligently, who is extremely intelligent, <laughs> who's intelligently, who is intelligently extreme, uh, <laughs> with an IQ of two sixty, which I can't tell you whether that means anything, uh, and several PhDs. You know who has a PhD? Me. Um, The only one you'll ever have. This is a PhD. (laughs) It's fine. I don't want to go to more fucking school. A PhD. Oh no! (laughs) She is doctor. More the more the board board. Just put OR in every vowel and then just say everything like that. Perfect. Good. Um but yeah, so he's basically like way smarter than everybody else. He also reminds everybody else of this on the regular, which to be fair, he kinda has to because everybody's such a big fucking dumbass. Uh, and a lot of times everybody's like, we're not going to do anything because Quinn will handle it. And there's like a huge <laughs> emergency going on. <laughs> and they're having an argument about who's going to put their brain in a robot body. And Quinn's like, I guess I'm going to figure out the thing. <laughs> and then it's revealed that he inhabits a robot body of his own design. And then we have Marco, who is played by uh, Eric Estrada. Here's Marco's full name. Marco, Rodrigo, Diaz, de Vivir, Gabriel, Garcia, Marquez. And then, <laughs> that kind of fast. No, I refuse to. <laughs> um, he's very strong and muscular, and he speaks with a Spanish accent because he's Eric Estrada, and he's usually is not speaking, like, actual Spanish, and Quinn at, like, one point remarks that his Spanish is actually pretty terrible. His name comes from the Spaniard epic... 11th century poem, Cantara del Mio Cid. So uh, he's prone to violence and will frequently punch things out. Um, and then we also have Hesh Heppelwhite, who is played by MC Chris. <laughs> who, for those who are not in the know, is a white boy nerdcore rapper uh, who like made nerdcore like a thing, which... I guess it's a thing. <laughs> as much as a thing as Whatever. it can be, I guess. You're doing your thing. It's fine. But he's the uh, station's reactor operator, and more often than not, basically, like, their whipper, 
webbing boy. He also continually refers to himself in the third person. The quote that I think of immediately is, Hesh wants married sex! Which, why? Uh, He's not well-liked by most of the crew, and thus works in the part of the station that's farthest away from them. And he has no real understanding of how a reactor works, and generally has to uh, have guidance from Quinn whenever there's actually a problem. He performs the birthday song at Quinn's birthday and acts acts as Murphy's caddy, and Hesh's safety is not a concern to any of the characters, as Murphy sends him to the reactor core to recover a ball. A what? A ball. You know. It's like, whoops, I dropped that. Guess you have to go get it. Please go get it. Hope you don't die. Shrug. Uh, And then we have Debbie, Black Debbie, and Alice in Love, uh, who is both the only other adult female and the only black female on the station. Uh, She is kind of a parody of the C-Lab 2020 character, Mrs. Thomas, and she teaches the school with the C-Lab orphans and, like, fucking Dolphin Boy. Remember Dolphin Boy? Yeah. Not until you just (laughs) Uh, She has a relationship with Margot at the beginning of the show and briefly dates Sparks and Tornado, uh, in the later seasons, and in one episode, they change her up name in a couple episodes because so that's she's Debbie Alice in love because she's Debbie Allison in one and Debbie Love in another. Cool. So because we're looking at a weird twelve-minute show, the upside to that is that you can basically do one stupid shitty joke through the entire thing. True. And, like, you can't really pull off a 44-minute drama where a power outage renders the screen black for the entire installment, but you can definitely do that in that. Yep. Which they absolutely fucking do. There's one episode that is just... The episode shows the outside of Lab for eight minutes, during which time only dialogue is heard and nothing happens besides Stormy destroying a section of the sea lab and occasional appearances by fish, sharks, and bubbles. Um, there's a whole episode that is just them saying, uh-oh, because somebody said something stupid. They do a whole, like, several-minute bit on the joke. They come back, and then they do it again. It's like, Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, Lord. There is also the Bizarro episode that I mentioned earlier. Bizarro, I love you. Um, which is weird as fucking shit. The Bizarros are basically the evil versions of the Sea Lab crew, but they're even less competent <laughs> than they are. Captain Murphy lets them on, on board Sea Lab because they seem nice? Question mark? <laughs> <laughs> and then at some point they ended up tying up the Sea Lab crew and demanding to know the location of the Destructo Beam, which they don't have. And then they're later like, we would like to have your diamonds and they're like we also don't have them they're like what are you gonna do with the destructo beam sparks is like what are you gonna do and they're like well it's capable of vaporizing the earth into vapor it's like why would you blow up the earth if it's where we all live and bizarro murphy says they're doing it because it's bizarro they just say bizarro like 300 <laughs> times in that just episode. Just to say it. It's so Where can we put in bizarro? Fucking annoying. Oh my god. All of the characters are weird. Margo has like a metal jaw for no reason and Stormy has like ice hair and randomly like spits out ice cubes and then accidentally shoots himself in the face at some point. 
weird. And then the episode that nobody can escape. And that also, um, so when Matt was giving in his like interview with everything, he was talking about, there are two episodes from the show that he can't escape. One is the bizarro one. And the other one is the first episode, which is probably still the best one. And having rewatched the first two and a half seasons, it still is. It's incredible. Uh, which is, would you put your brain in a robot body? Uh, and apparently it was one of those things that, like, Adam and he would ask each other all the time. They'd just be, like, sitting at a bar and be like, would you put your brain in a robot body? And then Adam would be like, okay, well, would I be able to have robot boobs? Would I be able to have chainsaws for hands? Shit like that. So at the end of the conversation, he would say yes or no. And that turned into an episode, which is incredible. So your robot qualifications are as follows. You can only be five feet tall. You can be a tiger or a cat or a short version of yourself. You have the strength. I'm not, I'm not going to be much shorter. No, you're, I'm going to lose a lot. You're going to lose very little. But you have the strength of five gorillas. Oh, okay. Five men. No, five gorillas. I like it. You have x-ray vision, which you can like kind of turn on and turn off. But some people have x-ray vision blockers. So, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, you have to follow a prime directive where you can't harm humans and you can't vote. Uh, so there's a good chunk of it where everybody talking and Stormy's talking and he's like, okay, okay. So say I put my brain in a robot body and there's a war. Humans versus robots. What side am I on? Debbie's like, obviously humans, you have a human brain. Spark's like, but the humans discriminate against you. You can't even vote. And Marco is immediately like, you better not have to live on a reservation that would really chat my caboose. Shrug. And apparently, basically, the way that they figure out that you're a robot is the dogs know, and that's how humans hunt you. <laughs> and when Stormy says, they're going to hunt me for sport, Marco says, that's why we have to crush mankind. So you might as well get on, on board for the big win, Stormy. Wait, dogs aren't going to like me? Dogs are not going to like me. Dogs will know that you are not human. Are they going to like me? It doesn't say that. I can't be in a body they're... that dogs aren't going to like. I just think that they know. So it could be that you still win their love. I mean, it's dogs. As long as I win love. I assume that they're still going to love you. Though, voting is important. We got to get those robot robot voting rights. I don't think we have to worry about it because there's not actual robots. Would you put your brain in a robot body? I don't care about if there are actual robots. This is the question. Well, but why so short? See, that was just it. That, the height thing does not it affect It does nothing me. for you. Whereas I'm like, does nine inches of my life are gone. The two I inches is inches. nothing. What am I going to do with my legs? I'm going to be so weirdly proportioned. Hey, you'll be fine. They don't have to take it all from your legs. I mean, they're um, going to have to take it all from my torso because that's how it works. And I definitely have nine extra inches in my torso. But you can make yourself like a tiger. I would absolutely... Be a tiger bot. Hesh wants to be a cat bot, and then he's like, Debbie's like, but you could be a tiger bot instead. <laughs> Marco's immediately like, wait, Hesh gets to be a fucking tiger bot, and I have to be five feet tall? Are you kidding me? We're unsure about the dog thing. So I'm going to say dogs don't hate you. They just know you're not, because the only thing that they said 
Is well, the dog do you still dog? love me? I assume yes. You still look like you. You just don't smell like you. But Ransom's pretty dumb as far as smells go. I'm pretty sure if you gave him a couple things and talked with your voice, you'd be fine. He mostly sees you come in and then gets excited. That's how that goes. I think you're going to be okay. Also, you could have Ransom's brain put into a dog Ransom body. Oh. Oops. No. A, d- <laughs> <laughs> a dog Ransom body. <laughs> dog robot bodies. Yeah. You guys could both be in robot bodies. Which is pretty sick. I don't know. He's a pain in the ass. I mean, he's really the worst. There's, it would be really silly to transfer a brain that is clearly not working right. <laughs> At least that said, his limbs I would start working I kind right. of want to put my brain in a robot body. <laughs> but nine inches of my life. Why so short? It's not. It's really not that big of a deal. You just learn to climb on cabinets. Oh, absolutely. I, that's fair. I mean, it's not like I can't adapt. And the strength of five gorillas is I pretty was gonna say, great. That's pretty fucking sweet. Yeah. You can also like eat eight balls. If I you was literally to. gonna be like, "Can I eat anything and not worry about it?" Mm-hmm. Captain Murphy was talking about eating. Eating tires, basically. Also, so Captain Murphy was like, um, I don't want to be like me. I would like to be a version of Adrian Barbeau, an Adrian Barbeau bot. And to be fair, he's not wrong. I guess if I have to be a shorter version of me, I might as well be like a different, slightly different version. All you have to tell me is you can eat whatever the fuck you want, and I am game. Damn, that's true. I I don't know how much you can taste, though. (laughs) It's a question. Game. How, but know? I guess your tasting is your brain. <sighs> taste buds. Yeah. Do you have a taste bud in a robot mm-hmm. body? What do robot titties feel like? Are they hard? That's I'm assuming. Hmm. Also, I would like to. You can put me in hands. anybody that's gonna let me eat whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> that is the that is the key to my but heart. He just switches bodies with Blob. <laughs> From the X Men and is like, well, I guess where we are. Um, I want to be Clayface. <laughs> so dramatic <laughs> and many more. Um, I don't know if you guys have watched Harley Quinn on, but if you haven't, you're fucking the Harley Quinn cartoon out. is incredible. It's so good. It's very good. We watched the first season. We're very in love. It's so good. We can't wait to watch the second season. Oh my you God. need to watch it. it. Oh my god. It's I so have so good. many feelings about King Shark, which I've already always had, and then they just did so good with it. Yeah. And Ivy is perfect. Ivy's perfect. Harley's perfect. They really killed it with Joker. Yeah. I hate him so goddamn yep. much. And, like, you have to hate him. There are so many characters that they've incredibly killed it. I was gonna say, I feel like I'm not disappointed in any of the characters. No, that's true. Their version of Superman. I was literally just gonna say, even fucking Superman and Wonder Woman, they're like five seconds they've been in. Lois just being like, I can't believe you fucking kidnapped me. And (laughs) Superman being like, Are we still on for sushi? (laughs) Yay! Watch it. It's so good. It's so good. It's not it's not a cartoon. It's made for pe- people. It's made for millennials. It is it's, a cartoon. Well, yes. But it's not like it's a not children for children. cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, whatever. Rate, review, subscribe. <laughs> yeah. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. <laughs>
We're also on the ESO network and on Podbean. And um, I, I, the plan is to see you next Tuesday. Yeah, we'll probably see you next Tuesday. Provided that there aren't any like croissants that take us over. <laughs> you never know. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.